Blog Talk Radio. Aw, cats. Jump back and dust off your Cadillac. You're listening to Respect for Life with your host, Brother Leroy, on the Keys Network. Blog Talk Radio, baby. Act like you already knew. Ow!
Good evening. This is Brother Leroy of the Communicators and Respectful Life on the Keys 107 Network, coming to you by web blogtalkradio.com, and thankful to the Most High for blessing us with another day on this good earth, another day to do some good deeds for ourselves, our families, our communities, and for greater humanity. The more we have a positive mental attitude as we approach each day, the better the environment is around us and we can project and be a factor in changing things that uh, are within our grasp to change, even though we might think we don't have the power to change. Ladies and gentlemen, we're thankful to the Most High for you to be where you are and us to be where we are, sharing information on the Keys 7 Network. in the Spring Valley section of New York City who are fighting for the proper education of black children, all children, but it seems there are some factors involved in their school district, the East Ramapo School District of upstate New York, not too far out of New York City, factors that prevent black children and poor children from having a proper education. In the current issue of the Final Call newspaper, the headline, Crisis in Education or Education Crisis, on page 6, there's a full-page article titled, Barbs of Racism, Anti-Semitism in New York School Clash. And it seems as though there are 9,000 students East Ramapo Central School District facing various cuts in teachers, guidance counselors, arts programs, all-day kindergarten, everything relating to the proper education of black children. And what is outstanding or very notable about this situation is that the school board is controlled by individuals who send their children to private school. And the feeling on the part of the black parents and Spanish-speaking folks in that area is that that school board is siphoning off funds, propping up their private schools at the cost of the education opportunities of black and Spanish-speaking children. We have one line, Michael Miller. Thank you, my brother, for joining us on the Keys 107 Network. God bless you. Bless you, and thank you. My brother, um, in fairness uh, to our audience, we heard you on open line. It was good enough to have uh, you represent the situation in uh, Spring Spring Valley, New York City, as it relates to that school district, and there's a rally coming up this coming weekend, and we wanted to take advantage of the fact that the article is in the final call. People can get further details after you answer some questions. Um, please explain to us how a school district, a public school district, which is predominantly black, has a board that is controlled by individuals who send their children to private school and who seem very uh, happy to cut services to the black students. Um, okay. Let me um, – <clears throat> this this community and this school district is uh, predominantly uh, uh, African-Americans, Haitians, and Latinos. 
Now, this is the, we have the largest uh, Haitian population in the country. That hmm. People that have immigrated from Haiti, some legally, some illegally. We have a large Latino population here from South America and various other countries, some legally, some illegally. And, uh, and then we have the black population. Now, what has happened over time is that this community has went from a uh, multicultural, uh, you know, 20, 25% uh, minorities to within this, within this school district, it is now minorities are about 90% of the kids in the schools. There is still a large population of, of senior citizens, uh, white people, uh, people of wealth, uh, but those people uh, primarily send their kids to private schools. So what has happened is that the, there's been an influx of, of uh, ultra-Orthodox and Hasidic uh, Jews from Brooklyn into uh, Spring Valley, Ramapo area over the last uh, 20, 25, 30 years. As a result of this mix, uh, the people, they vote as a voting block and they get together. They, they can influence the politicians. Uh, they have plenty of money from other sources in their communities. And so uh, when there's a school board election, they, 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 all their people will come out and ours, of course, don't come out. Uh, mm. But you have to understand when I say they don't come out, mm. we have just in our community, in the minority community here in East Ramapo School District, we have the largest percentage of voters come out than anywhere else in the country, not just state, country, for a school board election. But, mm. the, problem is, but the problem is they have more voters than we do that come out. For instance, they will have 12,000 voters come out. We will have 10,000. Now, if you look at the registered voters, uh, we have uh, 30,000 plus. They have about 10, 15,000. So we have tried for the last four, five, six years to get our people to come out and vote and to participate. And unfortunately, uh, what happens is only the people that are directly affected will participate. Those that are not affected, they will not get involved until they are directly affected. Now, the others that was affected last year, year before last, when they find other solutions, then they no longer participate. So okay. when they find that's other that's solutions, when they find other solutions like sending their children to uh, outside the district or to another school, is that what you're saying? Yes, or move out of the district, or being able to send their kids to private schools, or you know, a combination of things. Then, or they just give up. So it's a, it's a difficult situation when you are dealing with with when you're trying to get people out now. What I do and how I got involved in this, see, I have two kids that graduated from this school district, and both of them, I moved here because of the school district in 1972, okay? 
my kids graduated out of the school district. They went to one went to Syracuse and then to uh, North Carolina University of North Carolina for a master's degree. The other one went to NC State. Both of them are now uh, vice presidents in major corporations, mm. uh, some of the largest corporations in the, in the country. Mm. Okay. Uh, the young lady that you heard on the, you may have heard on the uh, open line the other day, uh, she just had lunch, she just had dinner with President Obama two weeks ago. Okay. Mm. She has been accepted in an Ivy League school, but she is the last. She's the last because now um, there is no the, – the things that will allow our kids to get that type of, of recognition, national recognition, don't exist in the school district anymore. They've cut it all well, out. Okay, for example, the things – that would get the children national recognition no longer exists. Things, for example, is what? AP classes, advanced placement classes, after-school activities, music, football, basketball, um, art, drama, you name it, it's gone. So so when uh, without, without those things, and we have a large percentage of the kids now, seniors and other kids that um, uh, that need courses, classes in order to graduate, and either there's no teachers or the course is not offered. Wow. Okay, that, that relates to the kind of test that they would be taking, and they'll go into a test, they and that sort of thing. But well, well, what what happens now? What happens? Now, I know that you've, you know, I've heard a lot about these placement tests and the national tests and all of this stuff. But I can tell you that my my wife and I are intimately involved with with our grandkids getting into college. Yes. Uh, for instance, over the last uh, six months. We've been to eight different colleges with our granddaughter. The colleges now are not looking for, they could tell less about these placement tests or the, you, you know, that you that everybody is, has put above everything else in the past. Now they look at course matter. What did you take in high school and what were your grades? Mm-hmm. So if you had advancement pla- classes, uh, placement classes, and math and science classes, and you scored B's and A's in those classes, but if you took these these aptitude tests and you flunked them, they don't care. They're going to take them. Okay. So that's the focus now on getting in the colleges. So the problems that our kids have here, they don't have those classes. So, uh, or the extracurricular activities. So when they go to apply for the colleges, um, they they're not going to have a chance, and that's that's what we're fighting for here for these kids. They deserve the chance to to demonstrate their ability in classes like uh, their competitors 
uh, other kids do around the country. We're speaking with Michael Miller, the Spring Valley area of New York City. The question is, what are the indicators that this board might be siphoning off funds from the public school budget into the private schools? Now, Brother Leroy, let me let me let me be clear about this because um, <clears throat> I I don't believe in in accusing people of things without proof. Exactly. And now, what is happening is that there is zero transparency. The way the monies are spent, uh, the activities uh, that that they fund, and um, all of the other uh, subcontractors and things that we see involved with the members of the school board and of the religious community, uh, we have foiled a number of things that we can get by law. And we see what we believe are, are things that are happening that are, that are not proper. Yes, sir. But, but we can't prove it. Right. We cannot prove it. So what we have done is, again, we are a community nonprofit organization. Uh, not a non, we're not uh, a nonprofit organization. We're just community activists. Okay. But we have uh, uh, secured a law firm out of New York City, Advocates for Justice, and they have taken on our case. They've looked at all the things that are going on here, and they have filed a federal civil suit against the school board. Mm. And they know, as we know, is that in New York, if you go to the local courts or to the state courts, you're wasting your time. Yes, sir. So they've, they've taken it to where we can get a fair hearing, and that's in the federal court. Now, uh, give the the name of your organization and the website and um, how we can assist you in following up with further interviews that would give folks in the audience information that they're not getting in the regular papers. Okay. Our web, we have a website. We are called, our organization is called um, Save Our Schools, Save Our Schools Coalition, East Ramapo. And we have a website, which is SaveEastRamaphoSchools.com. That's our website. And we have a, another website, which is Power of Ten. Also Power, O-F-T-E-N, dot U-F. Uh, that is pretty much our delivery vehicle. So okay, we want to receive it. I'm sorry. Give, me, give us that again, that last one. It's www.poweroften.us. U.S. as in United States? Yes. Okay. Poweroften.us. Yes. Now, we publish... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I know what my question is. Go ahead. 
because you're on time and we're on time. So uh, you said you publish. We, we publish a a monthly uh, uh, newsletter uh, of all of the things that's going that's occurring during the month, and also on that site you can we have videos. You can you can click on it and go to it will take you to another website where you will see videos of the actual school board meetings. Mm. And if you go look at some of the things that has happened there, if you don't get upset, mm. there's something wrong. Okay. Now listen, uh, uh Brother Miller, you don't have any children in the in the system there anymore. No, I don't. Okay. What gives you your energy to be involved at this particular point? What what prompts you not to be of those who have found a better way for themselves or it doesn't apply to them in their minds? Well, uh, that's, a, that's a good question, but I've always felt that uh, those of us that achieve a level of success should help those of us that need it, okay? Uh, <clears throat> born in the South, North Carolina, uh, actively involved in the civil rights movements in the late 50s and early 60s, uh, and when you're out demonstrating, sitting down, fighting dogs and cops, Knowing that you, your life can end at any minute, once you get beyond that, you realize how important it is to help your fellow to help your fellow man, to help mm -hmm. especially those that can't help themselves, and mm -hmm. that's our kids. Mm -hmm. So, I want our kids to be able to get an education. Those that want to go and are willing to put forth the effort, they should be able to get an education. And so I'll do whatever I can to help those. And, and as most of the other advocates that I'm working with, they feel the same way. And we and have nothing. No, go ahead. We have nothing personal. There's no personal gain. None of us are politicians. Um, we devote our time, our energy, and our money to help our kids. Having having seen and been experienced in the civil rights struggle, we call it the human rights struggle for freedom, justice, and equality of black people, which benefit everybody else. Having had that experience in, in your life, what, if any, surprises occurred with this current situation in Spring Valley section of New York. Well, the the, the difference is, see, when I when I came here as a as a, there's no other way of saying it as a as an ignorant black kid from North Carolina, and hadn't put up with um, you know the racism in North Carolina and in the South, and I come to New York and. As I start learning about people, other nationalities, uh, business, and other things, uh, I started see I saw the differences 
between here and North Carolina. And I'm going to tell you, racism in the Northeast is much worse than it ever wow. was in the South. Okay? In the South, you have a lot of people, what they call themselves, God-fearing people, okay, that believe that they are superior. White people believe that they are superior to black people. But you know what? They will do anything to help you. They will not allow kids to go suffering. They didn't want us to integrate with their kids, but they wanted us to have that separate but equal education, which we know doesn't work because, you know, money, just like here, would not be distributed equally. But they had their hearts. Their hearts was there. I will tell you, we had tough times growing up. And I can tell you, I slept. My mother and I slept in white people's houses a number of times. Yes. People that we didn't even know. Okay. Mm. But when I came here and the subtleties of what happens, especially in employment and equal opportunity, you start finding out the subtleties, the smiles in the face and the stabs in the back. Okay. Now I will tell you that I my profession was was information technology. I worked for one of the largest IT corporations in the world. I do not have a college degree, mm. but I, one time I had 2,200 PhDs. <laughs> now, this is not just average of 2,200 PhDs reporting to me. Okay? And so it wasn't because of education. Once you get into these companies, it's what can you do for me? How good are you at helping me accomplish what I'm trying to do? That's what I was expert at. So um, I rose above a lot of the the politics that went on. I didn't engage in the politics. I wasn't interested in becoming chairman of the board. I was interested in doing a good job and getting some satisfaction out of the job and helping others, and through that, I grew, and I was the go-to person. They knew that I could do it, and when they needed something done, really had to get done, like as an example, Y2K. Um, I ran Y2K for this corporation worldwide. Excellent. And, um, Brother Miller, we are at the end there is well you answered you answered you 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 gave the answer to the question and um this is um I'm glad that open line had you folks on because otherwise we wouldn't be talking now we wouldn't even know about it except through the final call newspaper and there's nothing like hearing a live voice give flesh to the story that appears in print so we want to thank you very, very much. And uh, there's only one thing, uh, one last question I have for you, Brother Miller. Mm-hmm. And that is the lesson, what lesson learned in this situation that you would advise black folks outside of the Spring, Spring Valley area to take note of? The... The the lesson that people, what they need to understand is that, number one, you have to be neighbors. You have to talk to each other. 
understand each other and help each other. When you pull together as a people, and it does not have to be all black or white or, or you know, whatever, but when you all understand each other and you work together, you'll understand the requirements that are needed, and you can move forward. But when you isolate yourself, when you think that, well, I'm more educated and I'm making more money and I don't need the school system or I don't need these people, then you're setting yourself up for the type of situation that happens here and is happening, that has happened on Long Island, that is happening in New Jersey, that is happening in Brooklyn, okay? Because the, 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 the politicians are going to go with those that they can get the most out of. Yes, sir. And after Martin and those and everyone has fought for us, our, our right to vote and to get us to come out and try to pull ourselves up and do things, a lot of us are still ignoring that. We're not doing it. We've, we've, a couple of generations I think we've lost, have lost the meaning of what went on, uh, hmm. uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Brother Michael Miller, I'm sorry, uh, we, we're at the end. However, please do not overlook us as being a vehicle for the work and the needs of your constituency, the people who, you know, the power of 10 folks and others, the, the vehicle of the Keys 107 network plus the other shows that we do are open for you because if we don't hear what's going on, you know, we're we're going to be going along as though it's kumbaya time. Right. So, my brother, may God bless you, your family, your grandparents, your wife, everybody involved in the uh, situation there for the good and welfare of all people. God bless you, my brother. Bless you, and thank you very much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was... Brother Michael Miller and the organization is Save East Ramapo uh, Schools. And uh, once again, the website is www.powerof10.us. That's P O W E R O F T E N. Powerof10.us. Go there. Tell other folks to go there and find out exactly what's going on. Also, the Final Call newspaper. That's the current issue, and that's Education in Crisis. The article is on page six. It's a full-page article. gives you more background, and we thank you for listening and sharing this information. Otherwise, if you don't share it, you know, hey, you know, we're not doing all of what we can. We're going to be right back with our second guest, Dennis Speed of the LaRouche Political Action Committee, and then at 8 p.m., Brother Gregory will be our guest. Stay tuned after these announcements. We'll be right back. And Services LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback. Sporting a five-star rating. 
fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing at the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit moon107.com. Okay, we're black, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Keys 107 Network, and I'm Brother Leroy. Tuesday night is Communicators Respect for Life show. We're on from 7 until 9, and there are some Tuesdays when we're on from 7 to 8, but that's not this week. That was last week. Once again, what we try to do with the program is create a classroom, classroom meaning there's give and take. We didn't have time to ask Brother Miller questions or take questions from you for Brother Michael Miller. Our object in that interview was to get the information out. Dennis Speed, our next guest, is someone we go to for current events in the financial area, also in the political area, internally in the U.S. and outside. At the LaRouche Political Action Committee is an organization that uh, they they have information in advance of what comes out in the general media. And we've been very successful in interviewing Dennis Speed and getting a heads up on a lot of information, things that are occurring in the daily papers or on CNN, you see it on TV, but there's levels of information below what we see. And then there are things that we don't even hear about. And we go to Dennis Speed, and I believe he's on the line right now. I want to thank him for joining us. Dennis Speed, thank you. God bless you. You are with the Keys 107 Network. Yes, I'd apologize to everybody for being slightly late, but I've been recently singing in a chorus because I figured the only thing that's going to help us now <laughs> is prayer. <laughs> and that's no joke, brother. <laughs> Those of us who pray and focus on the the uh, interpretation of what's going on now, Minister Farrakhan says the most important book at this time that we can have in our libraries is the one by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad entitled The Fall of America, written in 1974. And as you go through the pages of The Fall of America by Mr. Muhammad, you find the, the headlines of today's uh, front pages and the weather pages that we back in 1974. But, Dennis, I've invited you on this evening for a brief commentary on things that is going, things that are going on in the world or in the nation 
doesn't matter, that folks should know but they don't know. And they should know from the standpoint the information is floating around, but it's not disseminated to the general public. What are some things that fall into that category that you would like to share with us this evening? I think the most important thing to focus people's attention on is the way in which the events that happened or you were told happened in Cyprus, this little island off the coast of uh, Greece, uh, really they they were treated as though they were just local. They were not local events. These were events that directly determined what is going to happen right here in the United States unless we of the United States reinstate what used to be called the Glass-Steagall Act. Of course, Brother Leroy, you and I have talked about this now for well over a year, uh, and uh, we've made the point that the American Constitution, unlike the Constitution of Cyprus or Greece or Italy or any of those nations, it stipulates that the general welfare, which is a clause in our Constitution, to promote the general welfare for ourselves and our posterity, that clause gave the United States the right to intervene on behalf of the physical and economic well-being of the citizens against any financial force, military force, or force of so-called leadership. And that's the key thing. Now, what happened was this. What you heard was, if you were paying attention two weeks ago, was that all the banks in that little place got shut down. And they were shut for about a week. And then what they said was they were going to tax all the citizens 10% of whatever they had in the bank. There was a protest about that. And then they relented for a minute. And they said, okay, we won't do it. But what you don't know, which was in the news, is that the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation of the United States has made, and there is a written document to this effect, a deal with the Bank of England. This deal was made in 2012, a year ago, that there are eventualities or just occurrences, potential occurrences, where that exact thing can be done in every bank of the United States and every bank that the Bank of England runs. Now, why this is important to you, everybody listening to me, is this is what they're referring to as a bail-in, not a bail-out, bail-in. It means you got your money in the bank, but the way they're trying to rewrite the law as a practice, they're not rewriting it in front of you and asking your opinion on this. They're just doing, going to do this by, by deed, what's called de facto. What they're going to do is they can say, well, you are not a depositor in the bank. You are an investor in the bank. Now, that had been pioneered in another case over in Spain about a year ago where they duped a bunch of people. They bamboozled them into going with a deal over there, a few of the, uh, there's a thing called Bankia Bank, one of the biggest banks in that country. And they said to their depositors, we got a special deal for you. We can give you a better rate of return if you turn your deposit into preferred stock in our bank. Now, unfortunately, a bunch of people went for that, about a million different bank accounts worth. And those people went from, let's say, $100 equivalent to one cent equivalent in a one-year period. Now, I'm telling you about that because what the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation 
collusion deal with the Bank of England says is that under circumstances of, shall we say, national financial security or an international financial crisis, they will exert, exert the option, exercise the option to seize your money in the bank, consider you an investor, and you will be said to have preferred stock in the bank unless that preferred stock becomes common stock. Now, all that's said to you to tell you this, they're going to steal what's, out the, what's in the bank. It's already, in one sense, stolen. And in one sense, talking to you about your bank account, as I'm doing, misleads you because that money has already been declared to be theirs. The thing you want to understand about what I'm saying right now tonight is that in the United States Constitution, under Article One, Section 8, the United States Congress, and only the United States Congress, has the right to make financial policy, not the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, not the Federal Reserve, not any entity except for the United States Congress. But just like we had back in the times of the Civil Rights Movement, when you get a law passed like Brown versus the Board of Education, you can add a law on the books, but try walking into a school. So, you know, you can have schools desegregate, you know, but, you know, try getting on a bus, right? And it's the same thing I'm saying about our situation today. According to the law, only the United States Congress can make policy, but according to the deed, the banks have declared they're going to make policy, and they're co-opting parts of our federal government to do that. And we've got to reverse that, or we're going to start to see people starving to death and dropping to death and uh, dropping dead in the streets. Dennis, the big question regarding what you're saying is how can folks in the audience verify for themselves what you're saying? Where can they go to on the Internet? What can they look for, articles, et cetera? Well, there's a bunch of things that have been coming out. Uh, London Daily Telegraph from the last several weeks has been running articles. Uh, London Times has been running stuff. Very little in the United States press. And then there was the international coverage at the time of Cyprus. Now, the Cyprus thing you can get anywhere because they're not shy. They can't be because it was on television. People didn't, couldn't get into their banks. So much of that you can really get. But in terms of what I'm referring to, if you go to our LaRouche Pack website, we have a documentation section on that site. It's not, in other words, there's a lot of video on that site, and I'm not talking about that. You can get stuff in the video, but if you want the documentation, there's a section which has covers breaking news, and all you got to do is to scroll on there and um, look over stuff over the past two weeks. I would start, if I wanted to actually, let's say I was just coming on and hearing this on the program, I would start with looking at materials from March, approximately March 15th to now that 26-day period, or 21, last three weeks period. And we cover, we have all of the references and all the documentation there. Hello, can you hear me? I'm not getting a signal. Hello? Are you able to pick me up? Uh, I'm unable to hear anything, so um, if you need to give me a call back, please do so.
Dennis, this is Brother James Engineering. Um, Brother Leroy is back on the air with you, so just stand fine. His line dropped. Leroy, you're back live. I, I can't understand. I'm uh, uh, Dennis? Yes, sir. Okay, I'm sorry. My line had dropped. The the uh, in prior for the audience in prior conversations that I've had with you, interviews that I've had with you. Most notably, my learning experience with you was the was before the housing bubbles burst was made known to the general public, and our conversations at that time were uh, those where you were saying that there was something that there were things going on that were not verified in the general media at that time. But I began to listen to Bloomberg, and with the sensitivity gained from the interviews I had with you, I began to pick through the interviews, what was said and what wasn't said. And that way I was able to verify some of the information that you had dropped. So. I'm saying that for the benefit of the audience, that they can do the same thing. Bloomberg Radio is the financial, so-called financial source, Bloomberg uh, uh, cable station. And if you listen to the interviews, especially on the weekend, you can begin to pick up information that is uh, very well uninterrupted. Now, in terms of, let's shift to Social Security. What is the understanding that the public needs to know about Social Security and its relationship to the budget? Well, let me just give an example of the kind of news you won't get on Bloomberg and you can't get except if you go to our website, which is why I'm saying this. In other words, it has the relevant documents of reference. But the kind of thing they're not going to cover is, for example, there's a state senator in Maine named John Patrick. Now, he put out a press release that nobody will cover. But the reason is he introduced a resolution into the Maine legislature, which passed in the state, state Senate section. That's what he's from. And what the resolution called for is called on Congress to reinstate the Glass-Steagall Act. And that press release says, here's one of the paragraphs, it says, for 70 years, Glass-Steagall prevented the kind of financial catastrophe we experienced in 2008. Without Glass-Steagall, we lost an important economic stabilizer and any semblance of control and oversight we had over these mega banks. Left to their own devices, these banks were able to engage in spectacularly risky behavior that eventually brought down the entire global economy. I am all for the free market, but sometimes you need a referee. Glass-Steagall is that referee. Now, that's an official press release from a state senator from Maine. This has not been covered in the Maine newspapers. It hasn't been covered in any national newspapers. Mm. And you haven't heard about it. Right. And so I, I, I wanted to, like, point this out because one of the features that is the problematic feature is that there are people – in the United States, trying to break the, you know, uh, not to break a story, they're trying to actually change the law back to what it should be. They get no coverage. Um, and this has gotten beyond political activists uh, or, or people who have street organization or political action committees. This is the elected officials of the country that are trying to correct something, and they can't get covered. 
Um, so now on your point about Social Security, let me just uh, point out what you just heard me say from this press release. What this gentleman points out is that uh, we lost an important economic stabilizer and any semblance of control and oversight. Why this is important is the Social Security Fund has been raided. There are no Social Security funds actually in the fund. What is happening, those were used for debt payment. So there's actually no money in the Social Security Fund. What there is is there is an obligation, a politically enforced obligation by the country, because there's law in the books, that demands that, glad, that uh, Social Security be paid. Now, what is happening is that the president uh, is stating that he is intending to, quote, cut Social Security. And there are many different ways in which this is being done. But it's not his policy merely, though he agrees with the policy. He didn't, he's not originating. This is what Bush tried to do. But Bush couldn't do it. The only an Obama could implement the policy, and here's how they're doing this, because this, this is the game in town. The game is some Republican fool says something that is uh, completely off the chain, like, well, my view is that the people in Social Security should be paying me. Now, of course, now that what happens is then Obama will say, listen, did you hear what that fool said? You see what I'm dealing with? Now, you can therefore understand, since I'm dealing with that kind of a fool, how I'm going to have to do something to compromise and cut your Social Security. But there's no difference between Obama and the Republican fool. Mm. They're both doing, in other words, this is a plan that they couldn't do back in 2005 when Bush tried it. People mobilized against it, and they stopped it. But now they're going to come back in the door. And the reason this has to be done is the only place where you can get funds, or not funds, but what's called non-secured income. This is what they call it. It means your, it means your salary. It means your unemployment, which is a little bit, well, that's a little bit different, but it's sort of the same thing. The only place they can get it is they have to get it from this, what's called the private sector. They want to take it from the school systems, for example, of the country. They want to take it from the bank accounts of the country. They have to pass a different set of political uh, uh, measures. You can call them laws, but it's not really lawful. But what they're going to do is they're going to loot everything in sight. They're just going to take it. And so that's what's really going on with Social Security. It, it is a fund which, if it were attached to debt payment, in other words, which is what they want to do, then you can prop the bubble up or seem to prop it up for a little longer. So that, that's really what this is all about. We're putting out the telephone number. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest online is Dennis Speed of the LaRouche Political Action Committee. We only have a few more minutes. There may be a question or two in the audience. We'll be able to take one. 213-943-3618. 213-943-3618. Those of you who are listening by way of telephone, all you have to do is press 1, and that will let our engineer know that you have a question for Dennis Speed. In terms of of Korea, what, if anything, is is that about from your perspective? Here's what is happening. 
It's a very simple thing to understand on this thing. Think about it. You heard of something called North and South Korea. You heard of North and South Vietnam back in the day. You also heard of East and West Germany back in the day. And you had these other areas of the world which were divided by what was called, at one point, the Iron Curtain. Now, what is happening is that the United States, under the Obama administration, is, is now finishing or finalizing what was begun under the Bush administration, the, the eight, eight years of the Bush administration. You should only think about the Obama administration as essentially an extended sort of uh, uh, the Bush administration on steroids, because that's what it is when it comes to military policy. The Koreans, North Korea in particular, has been starving for the past 25 years. The people in the South want to secure a policy of unification. And they know that the way to do this is to build a high-speed rail connection through Korea, North Korea and South Korea, unifying them, connecting North Korea to China. China itself has a plan for exactly this kind of uh, high-speed rail connection. And to then reassimilate Northern Korea into the Asian economies, and an advanced industrial society. Now, when these people get hungry, they threaten people because that's just that's the way they've been doing it. Everybody knows this. And at one point when Clinton was in the White House, he negotiated with them on the nuclear question, and what they were saying they wanted was they wanted nuclear power plants. The reason they wanted this is they wanted electricity, and they want to be able to grow food and to create a modern economy. Now, so, it, however, is to the political advantage of those that want to make the issue that war is still an issue, where it is no longer an issue on the planet. It just isn't. You have a power like the United States, which is way more powerful than anybody else on the planet, with the exception of the Russians, and there they have other problems. But there's no issue of war. There's no serious issue of war anywhere. And, 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 the, and that includes Afghanistan and all this other stuff, the so-called is, insane Islamic world. That could be completely wiped out by a set of economic and, and physical economy deals made where you simply tell people, we will build, give you power, we will allow you to develop manufacturing, mining, and your agriculture, and in exchange for that, we, we, want, a, we want peace. We want an end to all hostilities and a putting down of all negative factions. All you'd have to do is to demonstrate your intent on that matter, and you would eliminate this so-called problem, most of which was created by uh, British forces together with American forces back in the period of the late 70s. Almost the entire thing we talk about is so-called Islamic terrorism is a British and Saudi Arabian and a, and a product using American intelligence to, uh, to deliver the goods, basically. So this is the truth of the North Korea situation. Yes, there are problems among the people. Yes, there are problems among the leadership there. But they're insignificant when you consider what the stakes are and when you consider the fact that the whole Soviet Union managed to collapse without a single nuclear rocket being fired. So mm. how can you tell me seriously you can't figure something out with those people in North Korea. Mm. Dennis Speed of the LaRouche Pack 
Organization Political Action Committee. Once again, your website is? That's just, uh, let's go to LaRouchePack.com. You can go to also LaRouchePub.com, LaRouche Publications. And I just want to stress again, you'll get all the documentation that you need and all the references to the other documents that you need if you go to one of those two sites. Excellent. And uh, your parting comment regarding what should black people, in light of uh, what we've discussed and other things going on, what should black folks within their families, within their organizations be about right now from your perspective? Well, the first thing I would do is open up the Bible to Isaiah chapter 19, verse 1, which talks about how God is going to strike down Egypt and make sure that you're not, you know, you're not part of that Egypt faction, the, mm. you know, the slave-owning faction. See, mm. don't, get, don't, don't, don't talk about the proud, great Egyptian civilization that was enslaving people, okay, because there's a proud, great Egyptian civilization that came out of slavery, mm. okay, the Mosaic tradition. So make sure you're on the right side of that tradition. My view is the president is, you know, shall we say, dealing with the pharaoh position. That's not my mm. position. My position is the Moses position. And I think black people have to decide, are they with the Pharaoh position or are they with the Moses position? Mm. Brother Dennis Speed, thank you very much. May God continue to bless you and your family. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your support of the Keys 107 Network. Please listen to the advertisements and other announcements before we go to our last guest, and that's Dick Gregory coming up right after these announcements. Remember, this is a classroom. You'll have an opportunity to call in and ask Dick Gregory questions, 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Love Talk Radio. Ah, cats, jump back and dust off your Cadillac. You're listening to Respect for Life with your host, Brother Leroy, on the Keys Network, Blog Talk Radio, baby. Act like you already knew. Ow! And we're black, ladies and gentlemen. This is Brother Leroy, the Keys 107 Network. I want to thank the Keys 107 Network folks, Brother Jason, Brother James, Sister Rafika, Brother Forrest, for enabling us to have a program reaching more and more of our people. And want to thank you in the audience. Whatever information you you pick up, please pass it on. And before you pass it on, there are some cases where you want to check it out. Check it out and pass it on. That's how we broaden our knowledge base. Without further ado, we're very happy to have brother who came through the human rights struggles of the 60s, 70s, 80s. He has not stopped being involved with our people. Brother Dick Gregory, God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my brother. Peace and love to you and the family and to this network and networks like this. This is why something caught everybody off guard is... I'm 80 years old. I was born at NBC, CBS, and ABC, and that was all. 
and they were they were cold-blooded crondos, man. They just, they just gave you what they want and didn't play about it. And like how many FBI agents and say work for the New York Times? Mm. Now, I'm not criticizing that because if I own the country, too, how many how many FBI agents you think drive cabs in New York? Huh? <laughs> very I mean, interesting. You see, you see. Cab drivers looked at just like black folks just look at you don't exist, you're invisible. That's what the book was about, the invisible man. You don't see me. When you put me beneath you, you don't see me. But there's a God force inside of me that said, I'm not gonna stay invisible. So I got me some zoot suits and some green shoes and an orange hat and a purple shirt and white folk laughed at me. I got you. You have to see me to laugh at me. Hmm? Mm. I put mm. gold in my mouth. I took out good teeth and put gold and diamonds. Why? I mean, look how this universal brain works. I know people love diamonds and they love gold. So I'm going to put this diamond up front where you can see it, right in the front of my mouth. And that's why if you was living then, you would see them, them, them niggas always had their mouth open laughing, grinning, mm-hmm. hoping you see the diamonds and the gold which you love before you see the blackness which you don't love. Mm. That's what mm. that's. And so that's where they always mess up. They look at me, and they manipulate it to church. And when the brother said, go to Isaiah, blah, 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 and, and read about them, that don't help my grandmother. You know, that don't help, that don't help my grandmother at all because she never heard of that. Mm-hmm. She read whole she never heard of that. And so now the youngsters coming through, they have a whole different interpretation. You see, and a lot of them is bypassing it. You know, we we the the, the church is the church. That's not universal God. That's not no mm-hmm. universal God. Since when did Harvard, Yale and MIT need to send somebody in the ghetto, huh? To talk to my little four and five year old children and tell them what it's about. No, 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 no. The universal God don't have to come nowhere. It sends it through vibrations, huh? Go ahead. That's why if I'm your child and I'm two days old and you and your wife know everything I'm saying and I can't even talk, huh? Mm. The vibrations is hard to hell to teach me ABCs. Mm. Huh? You just laugh and you, my little baby, my little baby, and then you touch it and you find the loose in my diapers. Hmm? We supposed to sleep with our head north. We so ignorant, we don't know that the babies don't. They turn north and dumb us keep straight. Hmm? Wait, wait a minute, say that again. On this planet, you're supposed to sleep with your head north. Hmm? And when you're not sleeping north, every cell in your body, huh? It's pulling the wrong way. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Remember you little boy you had magnets you played with? Yeah. If you put the negative negative, they wouldn't hit, right? Right. Positive positive, they wouldn't hit, right? Same thing with your hand. Don't nobody shake hands with the right hand but a fool. And Africans know how stupid we are. Be stupid, but that's when the Africans, you shake an African's hand, you know they take the other hand and cup their they arm with it? Mm. That's what that's about. You took the loop 
for me to tell you, and you're so ignorant, you get mad at me because y'all always thought y'all was better than Africa. Huh? Mm. And so that's the game. Listen, we don't need nobody. If you sleep in my car, man, and you've been sleeping for an hour, and you wake up, and you say, man, how fast are you doing? I said, about 20. Your body already told you I'm doing 100 and something, okay? Mm. And so that's what the whole... That's what the whole the, the whole piece is. I used to hear them old black women that she just grieving herself to death. Did you ever hear that music, boy? Yeah, yes, indeed. Then then I get grown, and and I know, and I say, how did they know that? You know, more people die in America every year from lung cancer from grief than smoking cigarettes. Okay, they've been doing that. Grief is a violation to the universal order. Hmm? And if that's why in Turkey, or you were in Turkey, if you live in Turkey and you die, for your funeral they bring in professional mourners. You heard about that? Yeah, I did. They come in and they got they got they, they got good pot over there. They got light green, dark green, and gunion. Light green make you happy. Hmm? Dark green make you sad. That's what they blow before they go to <laughs> <laughs> to your funeral, it'd be sad. You could be walking home, and they say, "You know, a fly just died. You fall down on the street, start crying." <laughs> Where's? Oh, you have light grief. Somebody said your mother died. <laughs> She's been wanting to die all her life. Hmm? Mm. And gunning. That's why. Have you heard how everybody's scared of the Turkish army? Been like that for hundreds of years. Yeah, gunning. That's what they take before they go to war, man. So I asked the question, since I just happen to know that, I wonder what kind of stuff they put out here in the neighborhood, in the marijuana. Hmm? Right. You think you're getting right. marijuana? Are you getting light green? Hmm? Right. Are you getting dark green? Are you getting gunning? And then the other thing, when they talk about medical marijuana, listen, I, I've never done a drug because my, my, my messed up white thing is so bad that um if white folks say it ain't legal, it ain't legal. And I went too long, man, ducking and hiding and going through this year to get on the top of the world and do something that will get me in trouble. I don't, I don't need it, huh? Not me. Oh, no. And so and so consequently, but they didn't say cigarettes was illegal. I smoke four packs a day. They said, I used to drink a pimp a day, huh? And so I, I just, so that was my behavior, you know, with that. And so all at once now, I uh, I get grown and they tell me, oh, wow, man, cigarettes will kill you. Well, you mean y'all never found that out? No. The cigarette industry said, no, cigarettes won't kill you. Cigarette smoking won't kill you. And I said, wait a minute. You said cigarettes, you make them, you say cigarettes won't kill me? You say, no, it's the, it's the paper. Well, it took me a long time to find that out. Tobacco won't kill you. What it is is them thugs sit around, and uh, have you ever been around folks that smoke, roll your own? Yeah. Well, you notice when they're puffing on it, they go out? You have been around a cigar? Yeah. You ain't probably going to go out. So right. them thugs say, wait a minute, man, if we can fix something so this tobacco will grow when they ain't puffing on it, we got us a trillion-dollar hustle. It's the chemicals they put in the paper. 
that keeps the tobacco burning. And the chemicals and the poison in it. The poison in it. It burns. So when you sitting laughing and talking, man, half half the cigarette you didn't smoke. Mm. So it, that's, mm-hmm. that's what this is about. Mm. So the body keeps telling you something and we don't listen. And anytime you sleep, your head anywhere north, every nerve cell in your body is pulled due north. And when you wake up, that's why you wake up tired. And, and you see, if we ever, ever understand the human body, then we understand God, not the church. Then we understand God. We don't know nothing about our bodies, man. And if we did, we would marvel. You ought to go to Harvard or Yale Medical School or Howard University Medical School. <laughs> just, just know about your body. On an average day, the focus, you know, the little focus muscle in the eye, that focus? Yeah. Okay. An owl can see 40 miles away. Yeah. And it's like shutters. They can let it down. See, 10 right. miles away. Huh? Right. And so it's the focus. It's the focus. Now, you need all for that. And so the average day, your focus muscles of your eye moves about 100,000 times. <laughs> this would be the same as walking 50 miles every day for your leg muscles. Is that incredible? Mm. That little bitty eye, okay? Uh, it's for 100,000 times. And then, like, if you was walking 50 miles a day, that would be the same muscle action you get from the eyelids. Mm-hmm. We don't know that. We know all this old crap they tell us and all that other stuff. But the universal, the universal. I was um, working on uh, some uh, fat folks, real fat. If you didn't wear a thousand or nine, I didn't want you, right? And so I, uh, I got 22 fat folks from all over the country. I got 17 white and five blacks. (laughs) And it got worldwide publicity, right? (laughs) You know what happened? That was my product, you know, the Bahamian diet. Yeah, Bahamian diet. When them white folks saw that, all them white folks, my sales went up 98% in one day. Go ahead. I was making $680,000 a day cash. Hmm? That's what's in our head. Hmm? They saw that. Wow, must be good. And we ain't never worked to get that out. Hmm? Never. Because we don't know it's there. And so I'm a... Look at it, and when they get old, man, it look like something from another planet when they lose that weight and that flab be flabbing. Yeah. And then I found out after I'm sitting around doing research looking for stuff, seven new miles of blood vessels, huh? 
you get from the universe of God for every one pound of fat you gain. <laughs> Tell me about Harvard and them thugs, huh? Mm-hmm. This didn't just happen. This happened from day one. For every one pound of fat you gain, you gain seven new miles of blood vessels. Seven new miles, yeah. You have a you have a hundred thousand miles of blood vessels in your body. And your blood make a complete cycle every thirty seconds, which means right now while you sitting there, your blood's traveling. Your blood could reach around this planet Earth. Your blood vessels, I'm talking about four times. Hmm? Four mm. times. And the blood travels every thirty seconds it travels around your blood vessels, which is 100,000 miles, which means your blood is trailing 200,000 miles a minute, and they got you believing a jet plane is there, huh? Wow. Hmm? That's what you have now. What I just figured out with some dudes, man, I said, wait a minute. Here's the problem we got. The universe put those seven miles of blood vessels for every pound for my blood, huh? For my blood. Mm-hmm. For my blood. So right. when I lose 200 pounds, right? Now, if I want to get rid of the blood, I just start drinking water. The universe put it there for blood. So when ain't no blood coming in there, it takes them back. <laughs> As you get rid of the fat, Knowing what what you know now, and as you get as a person we get rid of the fat, uh, reducing in fat, they would begin to drink water because of the seven miles of blood vessels that have huh? been produced for every pound of fat. Now, yep. so the blood vessels is for the blood. Water yes. don't come through that. Mm. So when you start drinking water, the blood oh. vessels have no use. So the universe takes them away. Hmm. Dick, I'm going to. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I want to uh, zero in on this health part because there may be folks in the audience who have general questions about how you were able to conquer or stop smoking, stop the alcohol, reduce in weight, and of course that came with the help of the young lady, uh, Sister Alvina. No. Mm-hmm. And and um, um, so to that that in that regards, we'll mine open up. was the civil rights movement. She had stuff there. But Go I ahead. Never took none. I never took none. I mean, she never. I, I drank. You know, a fifth a day. She wouldn't bother me because I was the hottest thing she ever had, and she didn't want to lose me. Hmm? Go ahead. Okay. And so I would. We go places. I would go. People, people may never heard of. People may never heard of a, a, a good. It was like me before I met her. I thought good eating was whenever you like didn't run off, didn't run out before you got enough. And bad eating is when it did, right? Let's say like, that again. Good eating was what? I thought good eating. Okay, nutritionist eating when whatever you was eating that you liked didn't run out. Until you got enough. Okay. And bad eating, huh? 
is when it ran out before you got enough. Okay. And so, and so then when you look at the mental thing, that's what I put in my book. Every time Joe Lewis would fight, right? Yeah. I loved it because the peanuts never ran out. Now, listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> Them same black folk that never had enough money to get big anything when Joe Lewis would fight, the peanuts never ran out. That's the universal force. Huh? You call it, you joy, and it goes and get it for you. And everybody sit in the house. Nobody talked hmm? while Joe Lewis was fighting. And we just thought Joe Lewis was just an ignorant guy. Couldn't talk. Couldn't find out after I get up and do research. Joe Lewis was the first black man that they let fight since Jack Johnson. Hmm? Oh. No black could fight. Mm. And then... They came to him and said, look, here's, we think we can make a lot of money on you, and you can too, but we're going to set up a fight for you, and if you knock that white man out and you raise your hands over your head and break down the fight, it would probably start a riot. So here's what we want. After the fight is over, you never put your hands in that one fighter put their hands way up before Muhammad Ali came through and started. Mm-hmm. And all Joe Lewis would say is, Mama, Mama, I, 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 I sure am glad I win. I got another muggy night. And that's all he could say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He'd walk off. Mama, Mama, I, 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 I win another one. Thank you. I, I sure am glad I win. I had another muggy night. That was it. And then the universe said, okay, let me tell you what we're bringing down the pike. And they would hate it for him to talk about Allah. Mm. He just stood there and waited and talked about it, huh? And you white boys get in the ring and make the sign of the cross and go out there and get knocked out the first day and you don't explain what happened with that cross. Mm. <laughs> okay. That was Ali. Hmm? And it wasn't bitterness. He's having fun. He's having fun. I remember one time the Honorable Elijah Muhammad asked me, I live around the corner from me, said, Greg, you sound more like a Muslim than a Muslim. <laughs> you ought to go down to the mosque and join. I said, oh, let me tell you something, brother. Anytime you see on TV, remember one thing. I'm just trying to make Black folks glad, because I know anything make black folk glad, make a whole lot of white folks mad. When you see me on TV, I'm just trying to make white folks mad. I ain't trying to join nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And so you sit now as I go spend time with Dr. Fulton. With Dr. Who? Fulton. Alvina Fulton. Fulton. I want you to hold your, hold your point there, Brother Dick. I believe we have a caller on the line. Mm-hmm. Caller, your question for Dick Gregory? Yes, uh, thank you, and uh, good evening, Mr. Gregory. Good evening to you, brother. God bless you and the family. Thank you. Um, my name is Alvin. I'm calling from New York City, and, sir, I was wondering if you could uh, give us your uh, overall take and impression 
um, as we're talking about the health of the individual here and expanded more to the health of the nation, which uh, has probably in, in your life, I'm 57 years old, you've seen and you've seen a lot of sickness in this country mm-hmm. uh, in your lifetime. And uh, earlier, uh, prior to your joining uh, this um, blog talk radio, uh, the gentleman that was on before was talking about the need for glass eagle and avoiding the uh, brutal austerity uh, that is sure to come our way, just like it's happening in Greece. And uh, I would think that you're deeply concerned uh, in seeing things that um, are at a true crisis point. And uh, so I'd like to know what your thoughts are. I don't know if you were listening in prior to, to yeah, joining but let in. Me just, let me just you have this. your own ideas. Let yes. me just say this. We talk about black or two different things. Two different things, okay? I went over to Budapest and carried one of my sons with me. So let me tell you the real world. See, white ain't a color, it's an attitude. And we're over there drinking cognac at $40,000 a shot. I said, Ralph, you know I don't drink this cheap stuff, man. He apologized. We go up to the 16th floor, which starts at $100,000 a shot. And I was explaining to my son, I said, now, Ralph, look at this. I want you to look my son in that. Tell him what's a good day for you economically. He said, if I don't make $50 million a day, didn't do me no good to wake up. I said, tell him where you fit in the scheme of things. He said, I don't. They'll kill me on the way to get your dad. See, we all tied up and believe in the mind. See, poor folks, black folks, poor white folks, we deal on instant gratification. We don't control that. That's why poor folks have so many babies. You can't find no more gratification than having sex. Ain't got nothing to do with treating a child. Instant gratification. So if you go in the ghetto and give somebody some, some, some crack and they can't feel it, for six months, they wouldn't take it. I'm looking for instant gratification. White folks don't need instant gratification. They get theirs other ways. Sex rider may stab you, choke you to death on. And so it's two different things. And so consequently, when you stop and think about, you know, you hear black folks say, the black com- ain't no black community. A community is where you control your press, you control your cops, you control your, your education, you control your banks, you control your cops. We don't control none of that. Hood wasn't invented for us long before we got here. A neighborhood, a hood is something you put over your head when you're trying to hide something, okay? Mm-hmm. And so consequently, when you sit... White ain't a color, it's an attitude. You know how many white folks don't know they're white? That, that, they, hey, man, I mean, you know how many white folks would go to bed and say, well, all the bummer, at least I ain't no wrong. Well, they can't say that now because the most powerful man in the world runs the country. Okay? That's gone. That's going by. And so consequently, when we sit and talk about go to the bus station, Go to the airport. The airport, you can't find nothing in Saks Fifth Avenue. You can't find in the airport. Go 
white folk can't go home without gifts. Go to the Greyhound where I travel. They got a McDonald's, a pay telephone, <laughs> a toilet, and a ticket counter. I don't need nothing to get in my house. Huh? Nothing at all. And so when you stop and see the unwinding, the unwinding of it, and then the whole thing, it changes. First, do you know how many black folk can go home, two PhDs can't find out and stay with mom, dad, one of the sisters? Huh? And welcome you. Huh? And so once we realize there's like that, that, that whole trend, the whole trend of stuff, I hire white dudes. And I tell them when I hire. You can never think for me as brilliant as you are. You can never think for me because you're born with 300 years of white privilege. No, 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 great, no. Hey, light complexed Negroes got a privilege, huh? Go back 300 years and look at your nose, and then look at their nose and see if it's changed, huh? Hmm? And so we don't know this because first we scared, huh? Do you know I'm 80 when I was a little boy, black men would get them Cadillacs, man. My son, when he went to college, and, um, Chiropractor school in uh, where, uh, Atlanta. He he parked cars at a restaurant. He didn't have a night. He didn't make three to six hundred dollars. Hmm? Parking cars. <laughs> you know why cab drivers don't pick up black folks? Because nobody put in my culture that when I get in a cab, I paid you. Right. That's my culture. I paid you, okay? And so so consequently, I'm looking at my son, and on the holidays, he might do three grand. That's not in my culture, hmm? Okay? I've scuffled and squirmed, and, and then I had a friend of mine, Dr. Charlie Williams. Interesting story. My mother, his mother's husband died. She raised all five of them boys, sent them all to med school, and they all had the office in the same building, the Williams boys. Me and Charlie was tough buddies, man. And so one day, he's one of the great heart specialists. One day, they called him, he's at was all that party, and they said, uh, your mother just had a heart attack and a stroke. If you want to get here quick, uh, come now. So he came out. Jumped in his Rolls Royce, put his light-complected wife, told her to get on the floor. He's behaving. He met a black woman. Done everything a white racist system say you're supposed to do with no dad, all that crap about ain't no man at home. Huh? Hitler had a mother and father at home. Jack the Ripper had a mother and father at home. All them tragedy, horrible stories you read about. London and all that filth. They had mothers and fathers. Queen Elizabeth had a mother and father's home. Those boys she got had a mother and father. The grandchildren, and you can't find a more drug addict, 
thugs like that. When that girl went in the hospital for morning, she, it was a drug overdose. Nobody had to go to the hospital for 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 morning sickness. And when that nurse must have told somebody when they killed her and said, huh, it was <laughs> suicide. Huh? Princess Anne, she was dating Dodie. Everybody thought he was Arab. He wasn't. He was Egyptian. Means he's an African, and they knew he was pregnant. And there's no way her son is gonna move up to be a king, and they got a half Negro brother or son or whoever it was. That's what this is about, huh? Then we won't tell the problem in the back of me. Ain't no black man at home. <laughs> we ain't home when we home. Dick. Dick, uh, I, it, it, you know, the the phone lines are lit. So my brother, I believe your name is Alton. Did you say Alton? I'm sorry. Alvin. Al, Alvin, <clears throat> I want to thank you for your... No, let me just shut it down. By yes, sir. Okay, go ahead. We don't survive on money. Now, let me tell you something when I was a little boy. You see, when Social Security came through with Roosevelt... Yes. Mm-hmm. Thugs. Yeah. Black folks wasn't included. Ninety eight percent of black folks was doing domestic work or farming. And it didn't cover that because the southerners say if you cover that, we won't let it get through. Okay? That didn't mm-hmm. come through till the sixties. We never had to depend on money. Look, I go any time when I was growing up, if you had a problem with the police, nobody told your mother why you went to grandmother. She ain't never had a job. She went in the closet and put her hand in some old strange kind of person, came up with the money. That's who we are. It's called voodoo. And that's a French word. It means spiritual atom. Okay? That's who we are. Thank you. Our next caller, Anthony, you're up. Your question, please, and thank you for your call. Uh, thank you, and uh, it's a pleasure to be on the line with Mr. Dick Gregory. God bless you, my I, brother, you and the family. Thank you. Absolutely. I want to uh, know what you think about this violence that's going on, predominantly in Chicago, because that's the area that I'm uh, currently in. But just throughout the country, uh, it's such a hopelessness among the youth nowadays, and I know that you have been through a lot uh, in your 80 years. What do you think we need to be Paying attention to, or you're not, you know, you're not qualified. Enough. You're not qualified, huh? My son called me, two PhDs, huh? In Dallas, good job, come dad, dad, dad. You got to come to Dallas and help me. I'm, I'm hooked to crack. I said I can't help you, son. I never smoked a reefer, and don't call your mother. She never drank a beer. I said. If the doctor would have told you today you had a brain tumor, you wouldn't have called me to tell me to cut your head off. See, we feel guilty because they've never let us have the proper thing. So you think you can suck? Well, when America, you see that? Did you see that basketball game last night? Louisville and uh, yeah. Did you see it? I didn't see it. Okay. Did you see the Super Bowl? Yes, yes, sir. So if your brother would have been playing and he broke his leg, you think they're going to let you fly in there and take his place? You don't know. You don't understand the game. Huh? And this is what we're doing now. Your house catch on fire. You don't know how to put it out. Huh? 
But because mm. we're black and oppressed, we always think we can do something. A white dude called me, where was I, in um, in um, Germany, and about all the killings, about two weeks ago. And he said, Mr. Yeah. Gregory, I just want to get your, your views on all the killings. I said, oh, man, I got to think a minute. That happened so long ago. And I made him think. I thought he was talking about them Italians killing all them folks, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, man. Huh? <laughs> or, or do they count? Huh? Mm. Y'all said, well, look how they killed them. They killed every night, man, and then run into the priest and confess in the morning and say, forgive me quick because I got 24 more I got to kill for noon. Black on black crime. You go to China tonight. Who you think killing Chinese in China? Hmm? Then we leave there and go to Italy tomorrow. Who you think killing Italians in Italy? Hmm? And if ninety eight percent of all the white folks that was murdered in America last year was murdered by white folks, if they ain't talking about white on white crime, how they trick you to talk about black on black crime? Hmm? I'm going to say this again. 98. My daughter is the bureau chief for all sex crimes and murders, 15 and down, in Brooklyn. And she told me last year 75% of all white women that was murdered last year was killed by their husbands or boyfriends. That's the economy. Hmm? Mm. Let me tell you something, brother. If you go back to the the riots in the 60s when white folks started arming and, and teaching their wives and it was a fashionable thing to show it on TV in the evening, white women out at the rifle range, right? That's right. Homicides increased almost 800% and suicides increased almost 1,000%. Because before that, I didn't have no gun around the house, didn't want one, didn't know how to shoot. And my old man come in with that red lipstick on his beard, and I asked him, who is that? Where you get that from? And he knocked me down. Well, you can't knock me down now because I know where the gun is. Hmm? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when you stop and think about Chicago, Chicago, the thing that bothers me about Chicago, it looked like didn't nobody care. You remember the weekend when over 40 black folks was killed? Yeah. I never heard one of them's name, but you get a little black girl that comes to Washington, D.C., and and the president knows her name. Hmm? And then they went out and catched them two cats in two days. Now, let me tell you, you live in Chicago, right? Brother Anthony? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You live there now, right? Yes, sir. Okay, I was there uh, this weekend, and I'm coming back to to speak at uh, uh, Roger's funeral, the the movie critic. Oh, uh, uh, Roger's and Siebert. Yeah. 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 I'll be there. The wife called my wife. You don't know what my husband felt like. I ain't never seen him in my life, man. Wow. And so I say this to say this. You know when that little young girl that came here from the Nagawa, you know where she was shot and killed? Yes, at that part, yes. 
not far from where Elijah Muhammad, High Park Kenwood, okay? Mm-hmm. University of Chicago, there are no drive-bys at the University of Chicago. Did you hear me? Mm-hmm. Did you hear me? I hear there you. are no drive-bys there. Matter of fact, the Blackstone Rangers was created at the University of Chicago by President Beetle. We got the tape where they had the meeting of white folk come out and gave it to a friend of mine, Bob Johnson, who was editor of Jet Magazine. Huh? Mm-hmm. And so if you go by and look at that place, he was standing in a bus zone. You know what that what had them little shelter for rain and stuff? Mm-hmm. Here's what they made the guy say when they when they put him on TV. I saw that big hickey on his head. Did you see that? Sure. Do you remember how the government had to come in there with them white thugs on the police department was going out framing black folks and beating them up yeah. and make them confess to stuff? And some white guy with the newspaper did the research and went in there, and whew, the government came in and said, "Oh, whoa, whoa!" And the government just as bad as they are. And so, and so, what? What's this now? So, they said the guy said that they drove by. You heard it, right? And saw this crowd standing there. That he don't know that's a bus zone. He don't know that ain't no gang. And he thought it was a gang. Him and his partner drove around the block, got out the car, and come back and killed her. How do you call that a drive-by shooting when I'm not driving? Hmm. Mm. How did you call me? You hear what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you know the day she got shot was the day the Senate hearings opened up on gun violence. <laughs> and then that night, that white bar down in uh, in uh, Alabama got on the bus and killed that bus driver and, and kidnapped that six, six-year-old child, remember? Right. Carried him to his home where he had bunkers and all that kind of stuff. And the FBI and all of them was talking, and man, they had three divisions of military, and they had those them probing planes, the ones. Okay, mm-hmm. I said, I wonder who this dude is. And they talked to him for five days. They were sending the boy pizza and M and M's, and then that evening he let him out. What evening was that? That was the evening the Senate hearing stopped. And then they hit one of them cannon, nerve cannons in there and shake you to death. When you get in there, you're already dead. Huh? Mm. Leroy, you remember how long ago I told you? Now after the children, it's going to be the cops, police. And yeah, people. yeah, the precincts and whatnot. Yeah, the attacks you know, on the book. You hear me? This is all. This is planned, man. All this is planned. And it's not going to work. Have y'all heard about there's, there's cops across this country that police that can't get bullets? There's a bullet shortage. <laughs> Why? Because Homeland Security bought 1.6 billion bullets and no no papers talking about it, right? That's so right. your white boys got all your guns and two things about it: all your guns and you won't have no bullets. I was talking to a white dude the other day and he said, yeah, "I go hunting, man, and I think 38 dollars." Uh, for these special kind of bullets to to go to go deer hunting, I said, well, when they get to be four hundred dollars a piece, the old deer be laughing. <laughs> you gonna get you you gonna get your cheap steak because fresh deer costs too much. 
Africa. And so what I'm saying is evil, evil, it's been going on for years, for years, for years. You don't know about it, huh? There's few people in America knew Dental Petraeus got busted because they were getting ready to overthrow the government, and they got busted. And not one newspaper had ran that. If you want to find it, you got to punch up the the London Guardian, and they got a two-page, front-page story laughing at the New York Times and the Washington Post that have never printed one word about it, okay? In this land of the free, home of the brave, of the brave. And so this is where we living. This is what we doing. And then all at once now, you know, after after it started getting out, okay, then people started sending it out. And what they was going to do was they was going to kill Romney a week before the election. Huh? Mm. And General Petraeus, who was head of the CIA, Republicans, so wow, if, if the Democrats like him, let's put him in. Boop. And right now we'd be on the martial law. Huh? Okay. That's what this is about. And so when people sit there talking about the, the money, what we going to do about the money, you ain't going to do nothing but what you always do. You're going to make you a big old pot of beans. Who <laughs> in the world told you you had to have a balanced meal? Are you crazy? A big old, a cow don't eat but one thing, grass. Hmm? Or elephant don't eat no, no seven courses. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something. The strongest three animals in the jungle, the gorilla, the elephant, the rhinoceros, they don't eat no fruit and berries, man. Hmm? And you can go out and eat grass. You can eat grass if it's if time to get hard. There's a book you should read. Oh, I don't even like to tell people that. Called The Good Earth, about China's... Uh, you knew about that, don't you? No, no, The Good Earth. Uh, about the, doing the Chinese... Uh, Family. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, right, right. And them guys saw some smoke coming out the stack, and they kicked that woman's door in and saw that pie and grabbed it, and the pot fell on the floor. She was cooking dirt. Hmm? <laughs> but wait a minute. Brother, have you, ever, have you ever planted some seeds? You ever grew a little garden? Yeah. Okay, you do what? You put the seeds in the ground? Put the seeds in the ground. And, then you cover and, it up, right? Yeah. You cover it up so it can suffocate, right? Yeah. Now, when they put Christ on the cross and hung him by the hands like that, he died from suffocation. Hmm? Mm. Of course, he got to come back again. That's why the story is like that. He died from suffocation. The diaphragm <laughs> gives out. Then you die. From suffocation. So now watch this now. So now the seeds. Now, if you put them seeds upstairs in some newspaper, would anything grow? If you, if you, no, not grow, but okay. sprout. Yeah. If you took them and planted in sand, your cucumbers, would they grow? No. So you plant it in dirt, right? Correct. So what you're getting is not coming from the seeds. That's the catalyst to pop the cucumbers out of there, huh? Mm. So you got the good. That's why they named the book the Good Dirt, the Good Earth. That's why she was cooking it. She's getting dinner. Wow. <laughs> you, 
You see what happens when you get tight and everybody over there thinks they're so hip and there, and then somebody eats over and let me tell you what we do, brother, here's how we do this, right? Hmm? Huh. So we, the Indian people, the Indians, huh? You think Indians going to start the death? The brother asked me about it. You think Indians got money, huh? They're going to start the death. And the only way you're going to get to what's fixing to happen, you got to get up on the Indian reservation, and I don't think they're going to let you on. Hmm? And so this is what this is about. When when certain things happen, certain other things happen. Huh? Mm. And it turns it around. As long as you're not trying to think you got to have... The woman asked me the other day, she said, Mr. Gray, I need two things. Wow. And my brother, he stay drunk all the time, but he know you. He know, he told me, he said, call Dick. And asked him how to lose that weight. I said, simple. Simple. The universal law is whatever you weigh in pounds, you're supposed to drink half that in ounces. If you weigh 50 pounds, you drink 25 ounces of water. You weigh 200 pounds, you drink 100 100 ounces of water. 500 pounds, 250 ounces of water. And then it'll move. It'll move. It'll move. And everything will change. The the answer to all major problems is simplicity, not complexity. Mm -hmm. I can't make Mm -hmm. money until I make it complex. Mm. And when you look at your body, ain't no good part of your body is bad. Well, except Negroes think God is dirty enough to give one good hair and another bad hair. Huh? Uh, you think you're going to get away before you unwind all of that? Mm. Hey, that's some good hair. Well, wait a minute, man. You, you, you insulted God and you know something. The universal God, not Chase Manhattan Bank. Not Harvard didn't make my hair. The God that created the whole universe made my hair. And you telling me when it comes my turn, God deals off good hair and bad hair. You know how many black folks is listening to us now? That if their son or daughter walked in the house with a Negro as dark as me, they'd have some problems, huh? Now, you think we're going to take those with us? No, let them go on out there and be happy like they want to be, huh? <laughs> what this we have, we so again, brother... We have a, we have a lot of callers on the okay, line, brother fine. Anthony. I want to thank you very much thank for you, your man. call, big brother. Oh, uh, no and problem. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, our next caller. Um, I don't have your name on queue. Yes, this is, this is brother James, and I just want to say it's always a pleasure, brother Leroy, for your show and Dick Gregory for the wisdom that you always espouse to us. You are certainly a respected. Um, Knowledgeable guru among us, and we love you, my brother. Thank you, my brother. So, let me let me say something first to the other guy yes, that sir. just was listening. This never ran mm-hmm. in the American newspaper. Crime linked to pollution. Did y'all hear that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Polluted water mm-hmm. can cause brain damage mm-hmm. that turns ordinary people into violent criminals, huh? And y'all can't figure out. Chicago, they spray lead and manganese in the black community every night. Because hmm? they know y'all are dumb enough to buy into it. Okay? Mm. Every mm. night. Who said that? One of the brilliant researchers on the planet, Roger Masters, he at Dartmouth College in Hanover, New Hampshire. He compared crime figures 
from the FBI with information on industrial discharge of lead and manganese. Are you aware, brother, and I'll get to you, are you aware that if you had children, you had lead paint on the walls at home, it's a possibility your children could get lead poison? Yes. Uh, yes. Have you ever thought about when cops in America wear these lead bullets around their belly eight hours a day? Wow. They get lead poison. That's why more cops in America die from suicide than killed in the line of duty. Huh? Wow. That's why 98% of cops, <clears throat> they get shot. They get shot with their own gun. That's why the number one divorce occupation in America is cops and their second wife is whores. And they ain't never put that together. The lead and the cowboy days. They, have you ever heard of gunslingers? Yeah. That's called the gun sling away from my body. And they, I'm dead I Joe because I could only have the shots that's in that gun because if I put it in my body, I get lead poisoning. Okay? And so, consequently, I I have figured this out, and the whole police department haven't figured it out, huh? Now listen, what he goes on and said, said lead and manganese. He found a link between pollution levels and murder, assault and robbery, counties with the highest pollution levels has a crime rate triple. The U.S. average. Now, what do that mean? It don't mean a damn thing. Y'all wake up tomorrow and think y'all doing the same thing. Them chemtrails, okay? But I owe it to you because that's where I got mine. Old black men and women in the ghetto that got all kinds of stuff. Dr. Fulton taught me how to fast and told me in 40 days of, of just drinking water what was going to happen every day. huh? And had I not been there with her on my 21st day, <laughs> I gained weight. Okay, and the doctors went crazy because they've been monitoring me. I'm paying them $2,000 a day to monitor me because I knew what was going to happen, right? And they went crazy. And then another time, I sent researchers out. I said, I want you to find me the number one authority on breast milk. And the guy called me back and said, There's two of them. I said, Bring them both. And brother, we got $200,000. Call Lil and tell her to send you another 400 thousand dollars, right? So they came, brought them to a black hospital, and they came two men from Oxford. Can you imagine? The world authority on breast milk is men? Hmm? And I sit there and watch the research and look. I tell nobody what I want. That's what I'm paying for. It. Wow. And what I was trying to do, I told them after it was over, because my daughter was over there at the London School of Economics, so I go by there to visit her every now and then. And I said, let me tell you, black women since slavery have nursed white children. I didn't know enough about what was in that. And any of you women listening, when you're nursing a baby, if it's the right breast, the left breast leaks. That's not milk. If you smoke, that's nicotine coming out. If you drink, that's nicotine, that's alcohol coming out. If you're anger, that's anger coming out to protect mm -hmm. that baby. Huh? Ooh. So then he said, wow, I didn't know what you just taught me, but I know that black women since slavery been nursing white children and nobody know how important 
mother's milk is. Huh? And so I just wanted to see if I could figure out, since these white children from one generation to another is nursing my nanny, how long would it take before they become Negroes? That's what I was doing the research for. Mm. Okay. Mm. All right. And when y'all hear me talk, I'm paid for my research. And my whole thing is my truth don't have to be validated by somebody else's ignorance. Okay? Mm. I share this because that's how I got mine. Old yeah. black folk come up to me. I see old brothers on the corner talking stuff all day long. Never went to work. Didn't know what the job was. When I come off that 40-day fast, hey, brother, man, thank you, man. We was praying for you. So what do you mean? So I said, me and Milton, man, we only eat two days a week. We've been doing that for the last 40 years. Huh? We fast. <laughs> it was out there. The wealth is out there. But they didn't tell us to look for that. Did it come out of Harvard? Did it come out of Yale? Have they got wow. a PhD? Huh? <laughs> So, wow. so thank you, my brother. Uh, my brother knew a guy in St. Louis. He he a thug, a hoodlum. <laughs> he he cuts everybody out. <laughs> he drank cheap wine. <laughs> he a hundred and one. Jobs. He Jobs had three hundred billion dollars in his personal checking account, and he couldn't make fifty eight. Maybe mm. she went in and followed old Moe's around, huh? Mm. That's what this is about. And to the question the other brother asked me, it's already here, brother. We don't see it, okay? We don't see it. It's like that story in, in the Bible. Oh, I like about it. They got some good stories in it. But God ain't wrote them. And this old woman, man, she was waiting to meet Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, it's, oh, hi. Oh, everybody's been telling me. Every time I come in this town, they tell me you've been waiting to see. Oh, yes. And says, I just, because you come by my back to cook a good meal. For, well, that's not too far. Black women say that all the time, don't they? Oh, you come by the house, I'll cook you a good meal. Bring the family. So he said, okay, I'll be here Sunday. What's the best time? She said, 3 o'clock. Don't tell nobody, she said. I'm not going to tell nobody. So he come by there. And she's looking, somebody knock on the door, and an old crippled man with both his legs gone and snot coming out of his nose and dirt all over his face. She said, come back later, I'll feed you, but I'm waiting on somebody. Will you please? Knock comes in, ten minutes later, it's a prostitute. <laughs> that looked like a prostitute. Dirty, nasty. She said, I, I, I just want some water. No, no, come back, I'm waiting, I'm waiting on a friend of mine. Then about twenty minutes later, another knock come on the door. Right, it's two wine old stone drunk, arguing. Said we just just want a piece of bread. We just we so hungry. We just arguing. Come back, come back. And so she laid there and went to sleep and woke up the next morning disappointed. And two days later, she see Jesus and said, "How could you do that to me?" I, he was coming by, took the meal. She said, Miss, I came by three times. First is that raggedy guy with no legs. Next is that prostitute, huh? And next mm. is those two guys that was on. I was there. That's a hell of a lesson to learn, ain't it? Mm. Hmm? Yes, sir. Stop looking at me and think you know who I am. Hmm? Yeah. Because if you got a brand new Rolls Royce and I got a raggedy, shivy, 
All I got to do is take the spark plug out, and your four hundred thousand dollar Rolls Royce will never work. That little thirty dollar spark plug. Hmm? That's what it's about, huh? And we so far away from that because we trying to impress. Hmm? That's why the black schools ours was so good, but it ain't nothing until the civil rights movement, because we wasn't talking about liberation. Matter of fact, when them youngsters started talking about liberation in Tennessee State, there was the black folk called the police on them, huh? The and then we got the brothers down at Harvard with all them degrees, respected all over the world. And, oh, wow, man. And he went to, to, to China. You know the one that got arrested and the president brought him to the White House? He got arrested. He coming back from China. Had about eight huge boxes. And, and, and his neighbor called the police. When do you call the police on me? Robbery in progress when I'm taking boxes in the house. Mm-hmm. I ain't taking nothing out. And he couldn't figure out that was set up because, see, I can cuss a cop in my house, but once I come outside and cuss them, they can arrest me. And they tricked him to come out there and call him a cuss word, put him in the car, and while he's down, the CIA comes. He was in the boxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they go through all that rigmarole. All that rigmarole. I had I had some uh, I'm the hottest thing a guy called me from Paris and man, you the hottest thing on what uh, what is it? T what's that entertainment network that's so hot? T what? T uh, Huh? But I I can't call it, but I don't But you know. know which one I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I'm familiar with it, but I just Oh, can't it's powerful, call it. man. My, my my son called me and said, Dad, wow man <clears throat> You was on the news this morning. I got to the office, it's about 75 calls. I thought somebody had died or something. Not you, just somebody big. I'm coming into D.C. yesterday, and there's a brother there. And first, it it was kind of disrespectful to him and me. He didn't announce himself as a press person. Hmm? Okay. <laughs> press person. I had black folks that talked to me. They said, I got this camera. Uh, would you please tell me? My mother got arthritis, so I talked to everybody, but I was trying to get hold to him. I said, just a minute. And I said, okay. Now, I don't know here nothing but another Negro who's responsible for making me. Huh? White folks oh. didn't make me. Huh? Right. I didn't know nothing about them white comments. I thought they was corny. I, I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't buy a record if you gave it to me. It was never funny to me. Where did I get my funny stuff? The black preacher. Okay? Mm-hmm. He don't get up on Sunday and say, well, let me see what jokes are. It's in the bones. It's in the mm-hmm. bones. Mm-hmm. Okay? So all at once now, uh, he says, uh, I'd like for you to give me your opinion about uh, Jay-Z and his wife uh, going to, uh, to Cuba. Man, I turned on him. I said, why do you Negroes think you're responsible, huh? Responsible for letting Negroes, huh? One of the biggest actors in Hollywood go, and you ain't got nothing to say about her. And I said, the reason they laughing and talking about it now, because he's a Negro president, the reason they didn't laugh and, and, and talk about having his on the basketball playing with South Korea because he ain't connected to the president. Hey, that's what that was about. But I say here, 
what you have to remember. Jay-Z and the president and their family is real close. Would I violate my president by going some places off limits? No. I know mm. it. Mm. They're taking a message from the State Department, okay? That's mm. what that's about. Mm. And I got to apologize to Jay-Z because they probably ran it. I don't like the gossip. What gossip is is anything you say about somebody you wouldn't say in their face. <laughs> that gossip ain't got to do with being a lie. That's gossip. Brother, Old black woman told me that long time ago. Brother, Dick, Brother James has a question. Yes. Yes, Brother uh, Dick Gregory. Um, just recently, um, there's been a movement to uh, open up the file of uh, the murder of our brother Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And uh, in these FBI files, um, do you see that happening? And if so, just give us some of your thoughts on yeah, what yeah, we may yeah, expect yeah, to yeah. find. They'll open it up, but let me let me let me ask you a question. I have the files. I have the autopsy on Malcolm. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why was hmm. the FBI got the files? That wasn't a federal crime. That's the first thing you got. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's not a federal crime. For me to assassinate somebody? That's the New York City cops job. So now what they're fixing to do is open up the files and put a lot of lies in there. They probably use a pedophile and they got immune people and all the ones. See, that's what they did with Spike Lee. Malcolm X was blowing out the box. Let me tell you how clever they are. Malcolm was getting so big you couldn't go to no college. T-shirts and hats had that X on it, huh? That little bitty X, huh? All over America. And nobody was promoted. It just took off and blew up big. Hmm? And then the FBI. You remember the X-Files, the FBI? Yes, sir. Hmm? With that big. Green X with the smoke coming out of it. Hmm? Oh, that's what all that was about. To get you off of the little X. Because that was the symbol, huh? Did you did you you hear when King was killed and did you hear him say that uh Alvis the King is not dead? Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Did yes, you sir. did you hear it? Okay, here's where mm-hmm. that came from. His manager, Colonel Parker, one of the brilliant minds on the planet, right? Went to the money folks in Memphis, Tennessee, and said, it's over, but I can change this. Give me half a billion dollars and I'll fix it. And he's the one who came up and said, the king is live. And everybody thought he was talking about Martin Luther King. Hmm? That's how the mind works. The king, and people saw it in King seeing, spotting kings. That's how it works, man. How you do your mind, huh? And, and, and so... What they can do, huh? What they can do with the money they got. The reason that Michael Jackson and um, what's her name, uh, Whitney Houston, the reason they made it bigger than any Negro entertainer, because the Pentagon decided to use the same PR stuff they developed up for. For war, that's what they used for Michael and her. That's where they blew up overnight. That's what it was. 
Okay. Now, the question you ask is release it. Well, let me show you something here. Uh, Friday, March the 10th, 1978, the Chicago Tribune. At that time, it was one of the top five papers in the world. Mm-hmm. Headlines, front page, picture me and Hoover. FBI memos, use mob against Dick Gregory to kill me. Huh? The late J. Edgar Hoover ordered the Chicago office of the FBI to develop marriages to neutralize black comedian Dick Gregory and suggested to use marriages that include alerting La Costa Nostra. They told this tungster, okay, the mob, huh? And tell them that I said they nothing but a bunch of slimy thug dogs that messed up the whole world. Put the whole article here. Now, who did he send the telex to? What he didn't know, I got a copy of the telex for his man that ran the Chicago Bureau got it. The memo was among thousands of documents passed on to the FBI files, released, and sent to the guy who ran the office that ran the Chicago Bureau. And so they go on to say, they talked to him, and they said, you know, did you do that? <laughs> he said, well, I work for this big company now that handles stuff to go to jails. Hmm? We sell that. Hmm? So here's what he said. And it, he said, I, I don't remember anything. 13,000 pages, right? I don't anything. Johnson did respond to Hoover's suggestion. Johnson now is an executive with the something base. Uh, the reason this thing is so old is I got to get a new one. I go to Chicago. He said he didn't recall it. Now listen at this thug. I don't remember anything. And even if I did, I couldn't say I did. He said that to a press person. Mm. You see what white supremacy would do? Do you believe this thug said that? I don't remember, but even if I did, huh, I couldn't say anything because I'm still bound to my oath of He didn't even have to say that, huh? He didn't have to say that. That's them thugs, okay? And so get back to the Malcolm. I got the autopsy. You see when the guys ran up and he was on the stage? Did you see that? Yeah. Yes, sir. And they shot up because he's on the stage, right? Mm-hmm. When I get the autopsies, all the bullets in Malcolm, all the bullets are going down. Hmm? Mm. That means he was shot from the ceiling. Now the CIA mm-hmm. have admitted that two weeks before he, they rented the Ottoman Ballroom. So all they're going to do now, you see what happened, this show you on, there's 40,000 huh, of these type of radios in America alone. So now they got to counteract it. So now they will release this. Huh? And they'll have all kinds of stuff in there. Huh? 
And that's what they did with the, the brother's book that died and buried the night the night before the book was supposed to get published. What was his name? Manny Marable. No, Manny Marable. And and the, he's supposed to be on the Today Show today. If you read that book, that book ain't nothing but written by out of CIA headquarters, huh? And mm-hmm. then they killed him. Hmm? They killed him. They give mm-hmm. him the book to say Malcolm was not only gay, but his lover was a white man. Mm-hmm. Well, I know my mom will probably go for that crap. Hmm? That's what it's about. It's mm-hmm. about when they talk about they're going to release it. They got all kinds of stuff in that. All kinds of stuff in that. King, when Martin Luther King and Oslo getting the Nobel Peace Prize, his right-hand man, Abernathy, you know him? You know the name? Yes, sir. Abernathy jumped on him and knocked him down, man, and said, I don't believe you come over here. Mm. And then nothing make him give one to your man. Did King tell me that? No. Abner tell me that? No. I got it out the files through a friend of mine. Mm. And they can twist it any time they want. Mm. And tell you anything they want. And this is an official document. Mm. Right, right. So, no. So that's. And, and look, they got the power to do it. Mm. Yeah. They got the power to do it. You know, you know, one of my concerns was, you know, the information that. Surrounded um, Thomas 15X and Benjamin 2X and Brother Norman and all these brothers that actually were arrested and incarcerated for many years of their lives in prison on a lie trumped up charges. I want to know if they're going to release anything that but, will. But even... wait a minute. Those are the two brothers they blame for shooting him? Yes, sir. Well, let me tell you, you don't have to blame that. You can blame that on me. Because when I got. The files. Mm-hmm. If I would have released them, they would have got out of jail. I believe they were there. They just gave them blanks because they didn't believe a black man would do this to another brilliant black man. Let them stay in jail. That was my attitude. Huh? Mm-hmm. Okay, I got the files. He died from air bubbles in the lungs. The same thing that Lee Harvey Oswell, who they accused of shooting the president, when they killed him, his autopsy, air bubbles to the lung, right? Because you don't give mouth-to-mouth to a chest wound. And what do you think that brother mm. was doing on top of Malcolm giving him mouth-in-mouth, huh? All that's so planned because you're dealing with a trillion-dollar thug industry. But Malcolm won't have to worry. The black won't have to worry. Except y'all out there crazy and, and, and think this and think that and think all this stuff here. Your hair. Your hair. Let me tell you something. If you wear a bulletproof vest, you're a cop. You wear the bulletproof vest, so when that bullet hits you, it slows it up. Okay? Because mm-hmm. of fact, you feel the shock, but it slows it up so it can't go through you. You got that? Yes, sir. Okay. Your nappy hair, because of your melanin, that the universal God gave you, it gave you kinky, curly hair because if the sun is so powerful because of what you got, if it hits you and goes straight through, hmm, it'll mess your brain up. That's why the universal God curled it and y'all straightened it back out. You wonder why y'all so crazy? Hmm? It ain't just white folks. 
If you violated the universe of God that made the mountains, every grain of sand, and you look in the mirror and say, God, you really messed up with my hair. I say, okay, but I'm going to take it out. And that's what. And that's why we going through what we going through. Huh? You uncurled it, and now that sun goes directly in to your head with the melatonin you got in there and the quality of melatonin you got in there. And that's what that's what it is. Now, how you teach somebody that, how you, how you break down somebody when they don't even know it. A $3 trillion industry, they're trying to uncurl my hair. God just said that. Oh, come on, daughter. Y'all going to have fun. The number one killer of young folks in Jamaica tonight as we talk. It's not drive-bys or liquor or drugs. The number one killer is bleaching cream. Huh? Now, you can't get no blacker than them folks over there. Bleaching cream. You hear me? The number one killer of Chinese women in China tonight, bleaching cream. These Hollywood movies done taught everybody that yellow ain't enough. Hmm? That's That's what it is. But there's a handful that's not into it. There's a whole lot of people that talk that stuff, huh? Talk it, talk it, talk You have any children, brother? Yes, sir. Do you remember when you was, when you was little, baby, little and your wife was combing their hair? Didn't you hear them screaming and howling? <laughs> huh? Yes, God was talking to you and we didn't even hear it, man. Screaming, mommy, 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 ah! Huh? And we just kept going. Because we want them to look like the white folks' children. Hmm? Mm-hmm. I remember one time, my wife worked at the University of Chicago. We lived right across the street from it. And my wife was so happy. They had to integrate to get that federal money. So my daughter, Michelle, well, she's the right type of Negro we want. And so they integrated into her to the preschool. And my wife was so happy. Great, great. Let me just show you something. I go over there. They had about 39 in the preschool, the University of Chicago preschool. Oh, and one little black dot. Hmm. I said, wow, Leo, do you think if it was reverse? If it was 29 huh, black children and one white dot, you think a parents would be happy? So why are you so happy? Hmm? Oh, no. If you turned it around and reversed it, huh? And so... We haven't flushed that out of us. Huh? We haven't flushed that out. Huh? We haven't even got ready for the operation. The doctors, they're not even aware of what I've got to do. Then they got to scrub down, put their scrubs on. And, hmm? and so this is this is the game. Thank you much, brother. Thank you. Brother Dick, we are at the end, unless we have another caller lined up. No, we're we're good at this point. We're good at this point. Okay, well, Brother Dick, in terms of concluding, I'd like for you to share your insights on dealing with health. No, no, let me do let me do that. Let me do something that's important. Okay, go ahead. The mess going on there in Korea. Uh I don't know if y'all are going to find this. It's one of the best kept secrets of the world. I had my researchers, they worked two weeks before they found this. Tunston. Hmm? Tunston. The story of an indispensable mineral. We couldn't function today without Tunston 
99% of all the tungsten is located in Korea. North Korea is one of the richest countries in the world. Huh? You hear me? No. Oh, they're skinny, they're skinny. Have you ever seen the skinny Korea? Walk down the street tonight, New York, tell me skinny children, you see. Have you ever seen a skinny Korean? Huh? Mm. Tungsten was never needed. Thousands of years. Nobody needed it because you put it with metal and steel and make it go through temperature changes. They never got that coal here on the planet. Hmm? The most would have railroad tracks would get coal in the winter and pop, but they didn't need it. And then one day they discovered that tungsten, they knew it, but we had no reason. And then we go into the missile race and the space race where you go through hot coal, hot coal and reentry. Then we get into the place where we need radar. You need tungsten for that. That's why the war started. Huh? Whoever gets tungsten rules the planet. And then the Chinese came over. When our soldiers got there, they came over that Manchun River doctor. And the brothers came home to Chicago, St. Louis. And man, we had never seen so many Chinese. As a matter of fact, we just thought Chinese had restaurants, parking rights. I said, the Chinese been telling y'all, y'all they, they in the laundry building, business, brainwashing, huh? And they got there and fought that war to a standstill. Who was it? It wasn't but one Korea. The rebels was up in the north, and then thugs was in the in the south. And the war was there, but they didn't know Russia, hmm? China. Hmm? They was going to have to fight, because if they didn't, the Chinese couldn't be in the missile race, couldn't be in the atomic race where you, you build those, 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 those deliverers. And we go over there again. See, first, the war ain't over. They signed a truce. The war was never a declaration of over. And that's what that little punk's talking about. Nah, we're going to suspend the truce. <laughs> don't even know what he's talking about. That's what that's about. And the Chinese pays well for it. Imagine... If they said nappy hair cured cancer and you had controlled 98% of nappy hair, you know what white folks would pay to get to you to cure their cancer? Hmm? The hottest thing be selling is kink quit. Well, that's what happened there. And when you sit and you look at them, look at, look at, the, look at them North Korea's march. They march and they hit the ground so their whole body shakes. <laughs> you know, that look like some hungry folks. And so again, I'm saying, that's what it's about. And they're not saying that we we'll tickets now because America and Britain and France ain't about to go there and mess with them Chinese. Huh? Mm. They're not about to. Okay? <laughs> and, and the reason, you see, y'all were young. They used to do all that Fu Manchu stuff. And they had Chinese six foot, ten feet tall, bigger than them, with little red, green fingernails that curled up chasing a white woman. Let me tell you when that stopped. When we got over there to Korea, and these little dumb, ignorant Americans get captured, and 
this one guy from Brooklyn waiting to be interviewed. And this young 22-year-old Chinese captain came out and spoke better English than he did. Knew more about Brooklyn than he did. When they got through wiping out our minds, the American government made a secret law. Never again will we show Chinese as some fool men too. Yeah. Something scared white women. Never. We'll let them come to our schools and talk about how brilliant they are. Yeah. The other one don't work. Huh? The other one works as long as you don't see me. But when you see me walk into that room and you are my enemy and now you are my prisoner. And I'm just as kind and polite, huh? <laughs> you don't see no curled up fingernails. You don't see no jolly jam with some crazy Negro acting a fool. You see one intelligent one. And when I'm in America growing up, I didn't never see no tall Chinese. This guy told me one tall one coming after another, not basketball tall. Spitting mm-hmm. tall. You from St. Louis, they know St. Louis. That's what they call it. Yeah, I did it in Forest Park. What, 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 what color table to go to Forest Park now? Huh? That's what this is about. And that's why I never, ever, and you find some old folks and tell them to what the Chinese movies, what the Chinese funny books used to be about. Some scary looking green stuff dropping out their mouth. No more. No more. They are into the laundry business, but it's the brainwashing, and nobody can wash the brain. Why do you think they not, 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 Leroy, you love this. Why do you think they call the book the Manchurian Candidate? Hmm? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> right. So, so, so keep your eye on the tungsten, and, uh, and there ain't nobody going nowhere. Did you see? Did you see the North just fired all them when people sent them back? Sent them back yeah, we yeah. Get out of here! I thought they was hungry. The Chinese will pimp them. The Chinese will bring them everything they need to eat, huh? Mm. Everything. They got airplanes. They don't make no airplanes in, in Korea. No, I mm. So America shows up with all her big stuff. You know, they're like they care. Well, we'll jump over there and beat up on them, them South Vietnamese. You won't get no more tungsten, huh? Mm. And don't tell me we won't beat up on them because we got some good friends. We got some Chinese and some Russians that's been issued to get at y'all. Hmm? Mm. They came up here and picked up all your house notes. Y'all owe them so much money. When they came here, came here, somebody said, well, why are they living in the White House? What's he doing in there? I said, he's inspecting his property. <laughs> wow. He's going there to inspect his property. <laughs> Nick, Nick, we are at the absolute end. Thank I you. I want to thank you on behalf of the audience and on behalf of the 107 Network team. I want to thank you very much for your time, for your insight, and look forward to interacting with you very soon, either on Harlem Community Radio, once again on the Keys 107. Thank you, my brother. Peace and love. And God bless you and your family. Always. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very, very much for your support of the Keys 107 Network.
our pleasure to bring you various guests, and, of course, the subject matter is that which will stimulate the mind, hoping that you will do some research and pass the information on. May God continue to bless you. Be sure you get the Final Call newspaper, Crisis in Education, Education in Crisis, read page six, and that will cover the first interview that we had this evening with with Mr. Michael Miller of Spring Valley, New York. It's an important article, a lot of lessons to be learned for those of us who are in unorganized communities and settings. One of the major lessons from his story is that we must be organized and identify with one another, whatever the age, whatever the gender, whatever the background, the common good is always uppermost in our mind. We have to work to get into that mind. So, once again, thank you very very much on behalf of the Keys 107 Network. Listen to the announcements that support our network and do support black businesses. God bless you all. Peace. Jump back and dust off your Cadillac. You're listening to Respect for Life with your host, Brother Leroy, on the Keys Network. Blog Talk Radio, baby. Act like you already knew. Ow! 